This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 114. All links and resources you hear on this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 114. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. All right, all right, all right. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so very excited that you are here. It is the beginning of the school year over here. I'm sure it is for a lot of you parents out there that are listening. And it's kind of bittersweet. You know, it's like I'm, I love summer. I really, really do. And at the same time, I am kind of excited when my kids go back to school, back to a schedule, back to having time to myself. I work from home, so it's a little tricky having kids here as I'm trying to work <laughs> over this summer. Before we get started, I have something a little different for you today on the podcast. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. I just wanted to remind y'all about some retreats that I have for the upcoming 2017 year. I'm going to run through them so you can kind of get a sense about uh, what they look like and if you want to possibly come on one of them. And if you do, you can either go to the show notes to sign up to have first notification, yourkickasslife.com forward slash 114, or simply shoot us an email, support at yourkickasslife.com to get put on the early notification list. So the first one that I'm doing in 2017 is in the spring. It's going to be in late April. We are avoiding spring break. So just so you know, <laughs> it's not going to be during anyone's spring break. And that is with myself and my best friend and colleague, Amy Smith. We run a side project called the Self-Love Revolution. It is all about self-love. We have run this class several times online, virtually, but this is the first time we are going to run the curriculum live. We are very excited about that. It's going to be about four days of self-love, learning all about what that looks like, of journaling, of sharing with like-minded women. That's going to be a small, intimate-ish group of 20 women. And I say intimate-ish, meaning that it's, it's not a tiny group. It's a, I don't know. I, I still think that's a small group. So that's happening in the spring. And then in the summer, next summer, I am going to do a solo retreat out here in North Carolina in the beautiful city of Asheville. And that one is going to be The Daring Way. So that is the program that I do, that I run and facilitate based on the research of Brene Brown. That is going to be an even smaller group of just 12. So if you are interested in that, that will be probably three days out here in North Carolina let us know because um, both of those retreats are sure to sell out. And then the last retreat I'm going to do in 2017 is one that we've run twice before. So this is the third annual Tanning Tacos and Transformation Retreat. That's going to be probably in October of 2017. We are finalizing a venue now. It is at an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. Uh, I want to tell you about this resort that we're looking at that's so amazing, but it hasn't been finalized yet <laughs> As I'm recording this, so I don't want to say it yet, but it's going to be amazing. And this is a bigger retreat. So if you are interested in coming along in more of like a conference style type of retreat, then that's going to be for you. There's going to be a lot of like-minded women there. The women that have gone on these retreats in the past couple of years had have made friends that they 
that they see each other when they are in you know different parts of the country and it's just really beautiful and amazing to watch. I run that with again with Amy Smith and another colleague of ours, Kira Sabin. So if you want in on any of those retreats, shoot us an email at support at yourkickasslife.com or visit the show notes to sign up for those. And without further ado, here is what I got for you this week. <laughs> All right, ass kickers, just a, a little update, I guess, about what is going on here in my life. And I, the reason that I wanted to do it is because I thought maybe some of you can relate to what I'm going through. And I thought, well, hey, if I'm, I, you know, I like to teach through my experiences. And if I'm experiencing a struggle, I always think, you know what? So are probably a lot of my ass kickers. And so if I'm in a place where I can, you know, use my tools and get through it. I try to let you know what those tools are. So if you're facing the same thing, possibly you can get some help from it. So right now, and it's kind of funny, I when I typed all this out and got this ready a couple of weeks ago, I definitely was in a different place. <laughs> and I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now. But when I when I wrote it, and, I, and I, I'm actually still feeling this way a little bit, but it's really on the topic of burnout. And I'm feeling burnt out. And it happens. And I used to, because it used to happen a lot, especially in the beginning of when I started my business as a life coach, I didn't know what I was doing. I There wasn't a whole lot of people who had kind of paved this way before me um, like there is now. So there, I didn't have a whole lot of leaders to follow. So it was, I kind of felt like I was just starting from, from nothing. And I also had two toddlers. And so it, it happened a lot. I found myself face down in my pillow crying a lot. And my poor husband's like, ah, how can I help you? I'm like, I don't know. But when it used to happen more often, I would beat myself up for getting to that place and, and feeling like I must have done something wrong along the way, that I must not have balanced my life correctly. I must not have delegated enough. I didn't lean in at the correct angle. But nine years in, uh, raising babies, raising a business, participating in a marriage. For me, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but burnout is part of the game. And there is probably some of my colleagues and self-help experts that might gasp upon hearing that and tell me I'm surely doing it wrong and it doesn't have to be that way. And if someone said that to me, my response would be, I'm doing the best I can. I'm totally confident of that. And this is what works for me. So here's the difference. I kind of look at my life and have found it possible, and I emphasize the word necessary, to have self-compassion. Because anytime we are, I just feel like too in our culture as women, I know that there's some men listening probably, but I, you know, I can only speak for women because I am one and I've only ever been one. But I think that we face the kind of pressure of having to do it all. And I think while that's great that we are given such great opportunities now more so, more so than we were, you know, some 50 years ago, I think that many of us fall into that trap of having to do it all. And so if that's you, if you are feeling like so overwhelmed and like you just cannot balance another spinning plate before they all fall down, the word of the day is self-compassion. So for me personally, what I do is that I tend to, my days look like, um, you know, I might be holding space for people emotionally. Sometimes it's a lot of people at once. 
And while it's thrilling and beautiful and amazing and all of those things, it can also be exhausting coupled with uh, having a child with special needs, coupled with big projects uh, like writing a book, and it's can tend to be the perfect storm. So luckily now, whereas I didn't before, now I can see burnout coming, kind of like when train tracks vibrate before you can actually see the train instead of how it used to be, which is I would not see anything vibrating or anything coming and it would just hit me without any notice and I would be down for the count and I would have a really hard time recovering. So now when I see it coming, when I see that that kind of wave of overwhelm and burnout coming, I can back out and figure out what I need to do in terms of self-care. So I invite you to ask yourself the same question. Whenever you're feeling really overwhelmed, whether you are at like stage one where you see it coming or you're already like at stage five where it's the worst of it and you are in the shit. When you are there in any one of those realms of overwhelm and burnout, what do you need to do to take care of yourself? And I think Maybe your first response is, there's nothing I can let go of. There's nothing on this plate that can fall off. I'm in charge of everything and everyone. There's really nothing that I can do. I work with women all the time, my clients, who tend to have this problem. Not every single one, but most of them, yes. So we just have to strategize on what can happen. And a lot of times that looks like having to have hard conversations, which nobody likes to do, right? It's having to set boundaries. It's having to say, if I don't make this change, I'm going to spontaneously combust. <laughs> Not that I'm saying you say that in your conversation, but really kind of that's what it comes down to, you know, whether it's really dramatic like that, or it's just a small change that needs to happen. So for me, what it looks like uh, is that I've just, and this is a big change this year. I've decided to not teach any more classes for the rest of the year. And fall tends to be for people in in online in online world. Fall is pretty much when most everybody teaches a class, and I am not doing that this year. I'm not, um, I'm not doing any retreats for the end of the year or anything like that. The only thing that is going to happen is that you might see some emails come through for the masterclass, which is my signature program, but it doesn't start until January. So that was a big decision. I was going to teach the masterclass in the fall, but I'm moving it out to January because there was just no way that I could both be totally present writing this book and be totally present for the 30 women that joined the masterclass. So book is due at the end of December. I'll be done with it. And that way I can focus. So it's it's having to make big decisions like that. That was a very big decision for me to have to, to, to do that. And my inner critic went crazy. I'll tell you about that in a second. But I just really want you to think about what necessary changes do you need to make and watch out for your inner critic because I have to grapple with my inner critic that tells me I can't put those things off. It's imperative to my bottom line. It's a big mistake. You know, I might even like go all the way down the rabbit hole and be like, my business is going to fail and we will be destitute if I, you know, make this one decision. My inner critic tells me also like you can do all of those things. You should do all of those things. So my point is watch out and try to be hyper aware if your inner critic comes in, I can almost guarantee, girl, that your inner critic is going to have something to say about you taking care of yourself and and making changes and setting boundaries and, and things like that and 
taking care of yourself, really. So that's what I want you to look at. In other words, it's about surrendering. It's about surrendering to what is. It's about listening to your body because our body is the wisest part of ourselves and oftentimes we ignore it. It's about surrendering. And let me tell you something. Me surrendering, me, Andrea Owen, I surrendered. The queen of, I'm not letting anything go. You'll have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands. I surrendered. So if I can do it, anyone can. It can be done. Letting stuff go can happen. Even though I'm pretty sure hell has probably frozen over and there are pigs flying down there. But yep, I surrendered. And I I think I wrote about this in my first book about letting go of control, how it's, it was one, it was the last chapter I wrote in my book because I had such a hard time writing it. It was one of those things where it's like, well, shit, now I have to really walk my talk and look at this in my own life and look at this behavior in my own life. I didn't, didn't want to do that. So I invite you to look at it with me. Let's do it together. And, and I'm always, you know, I'm always telling you guys, this is a process. It's not like I just woke up this week and decided. It's been years of practicing surrendering in the shallow end of the pool with a noodle and floaties on, easing into surrender. I was not diving in the deep end. No, ma'am. Little teeny tiny turtle steps into surrender, into self-care, into self-compassion, all of these things that I used to not do that were like foreign, weird things that I just was like, no, I, I am not that person and I don't even, I'm not even friends with people that are like that. So it can be done is my point. All right, switching gears. Part of my burnout was the beginnings of the new big project of writing my second book. And I feel like it's like having a second baby. I've, I've had two children, so I know how it feels to have a second baby. So it's like, it's kind of like, I've already done it, so I know what to expect, but that doesn't really make it any easier. It's a different baby, so you don't know how it's going to go until you're in it. So I don't know if you guys have seen, since you're listening to this and not reading it, there's a funny meme that's gone around. It's called the creative process, and there's like this red section. Well, at the very beginning, it says work begins, and then there's like this giant red section of this graph that says fuck off, and then it goes into panic, and then it goes doing all the work while crying, and then deadline. So I feel like I've exited the fuck off phase and have entered the panic phase. <laughs> it's just, it's such an accurate description of the creative process. If you want to see it, if go to the show notes, yourkickasslife.com forward slash 114, and you can see it. It's pretty funny. So I have until December 31st to finish the entire manuscript. And this, that might seem like a long time, you know, I've got like several months left. I'd be a little bit happier if I had about two extra months, but that's not possible for a fall 2017 release date. So from August 29th, which is which was the first week of school here, to December 31st, I will be head down, eating, sleeping, and breathing, writing this book. And I'm sort of eating my words because when I first decided to write it, I said to everyone, I declared that this time it won't be so dramatic. I'm choosing to have it not be so hard. 
Peace and ease, everybody. Peace and ease are over here while I write the second book. Watch me. <clears throat> Y'all. <laughs> this is hard. Elizabeth Gilbert calls this creative martyrdom when you are just like angsty throughout your entire creative process and just, oh, it's so hard. And I get, uh, and let me tell you. Me and Creative Martyrdom are doing a disco dance together. We've got it down. We are so in sync. We have matching outfits and are just legit. Creative Martyrdom over here has begun. I can't help it. I just can't. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit dramatic to boot. Ugh, it is it's just drama. So on a positive note, though, because it's so hard and dramatic, this book is going to be spectacular. I am really excited for you to read it. I, it's it's um, some of the same topics that I wrote about before in my first book, but much more expanded. And I feel like you're going to get the best and most important of the behaviors that make you feel like shit that we all do, like perfectionism and control and self-sabotage and hiding and um, isolating ourselves and numbing and imposter complex and all these things that we experience and feel. And I am diving in and giving you awesome tools on how to not do them anymore. And I'm just really excited. Okay. So that's that. And switching gears one last time, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened several weeks ago between my husband and I. And I'm telling you this story for two reasons. To let you know that shit still happens to me. I don't want anyone out there to believe that I am immune to hard stuff coming up and being triggered and all of those things. I am not perfect. And two, to show you what doing the work actually looks like. All right. So several weeks ago, my husband had let me know that he was going to, my husband's a woodworker as his hobby and he makes incredible things and he, um, he kind of does that for a living and he's just, he's an artist. He's, he's amazing. And so he had let me know that, and I was only kind of half listening to be honest, like he had ran into this guy, he saw this guy that had these like really beautiful wood chairs in the back of a pickup and he had asked him about it. And the guy said, I didn't make them. He thought the guy had made him, but I know this guy who's this like elderly man who's selling a bunch of his tools if you are interested in buying some tools. So it's like my husband probably got a boner, just like all excited. Yes, he wants to buy more tools. <laughs> so he had told me this on like a Thursday or Friday that him and one of his coworkers were going to go to this guy's house on Saturday morning, early on Saturday morning. And the the man, the old man lived like 20 minutes away or something like that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So he told me, he's like, I'm probably going to be up early. Um, him and his friend, we're going to go have breakfast and then head on out there. So I was like, okay. So Saturday morning comes around and sure enough, I get me, you know, me and the kids get up and, and he was, he was already gone. And I had wanted to go to the rug store as people do who are boring and domestic. <laughs> I wanted to go to the rug store because we needed a rug for our dining room. And so I texted him. It was probably about 930 in the morning at that point. And I said, do you have an estimated time of arrival? Because um, I really wanted to go to the rug store. Just because I didn't know. He didn't specify like how long he was going to be gone. 
So he texts me back and says, don't know, probably going to be a while. Why don't you go without me? And I was a little irritated and I was like, okay, I really, you know, like, trust me, going to the rug store with two children is not fun. And um, it's definitely something you need to tag team and go together. And, you know, it's like making a decision on this rug. I wanted him to be there. And I was like, okay, well, don't really want to go without you. And especially by myself with the kids, um, we'll just wait, wait until you come home. And he responded with the letter K. <laughs> Which those of you listening are probably like, oh, no. You know, when you get like, I don't think I've ever responded with just the letter K unless I am pissed. And that doesn't happen very often because I usually try to be not like that. So I got that text and I was like, what the fuck? And then I immediately go into, I don't even know where he is. You know, it's like, he didn't tell me really that much. And I'm like remembering the conversation. It's like, I know he was going to go with so-and-so and they were going to go to breakfast, but like, where, where did he say he was going? Like Cary or Winston-Salem? Like, I don't know, somewhere in North Carolina. And so then I start to get angry because I don't actually know where he is. I don't know when he's going coming home. I don't know how much money he's going to spend. All of these things are running through my head and I'm getting more and more angry. So my thumbs are like hovering over the text. Like I'm about to shoot back. I wanted to shoot back. I don't even know where you are. Like, where are you? And I didn't. I stopped myself. I stopped myself in that moment because I felt the anxiety and the anger like rising up my body up into my throat and into my face and sitting in my chest. And I immediately knew what was happening. So I want to I want to back up for a second because a couple of years ago, even I probably wouldn't have known what was happening. I just would have been so caught up in my anger and irritation, I would have been really blamey and just, you know, kind of like, what the fuck? So now what I have learned is to know when I get emotionally hooked. And if you have read the book Rising Strong by Brene Brown, which is the work that I facilitate, you probably know what I am doing here. This is this is the Rising Strong process. So I actually started started doing this just from doing other work. And then when I read that book, I was like, oh, that's what this is. So I knew that I was emotionally hooked fairly quickly in it. So then it's about getting curious. Okay, so why am I mad? Clearly I'm pissed off. Like, what am I actually mad at? And so I had to sit, oh, I had to sit, <laughs> sit in my own shit for like 30 minutes. I started crying because I, you know, the old me would have just wanted to drink. I mean, even though it was 930 in the morning, who knows, I may have done it. But just I needed to escape like something. Give me something to do because I don't want to be in this feeling, feeling the feelings. So I call my best friend, Amy. You know, she kind of like talked me through it and actually just left her a message on Voxer. And then I realized what was happening. So I was totally triggered. I got triggered because for me personally, and, and you know, this might look different for a lot of different people. Personally, in my first marriage, I was married to someone who I half the time never knew where he was. And I found out periodically throughout our relationship and then more so after it ended that he was cheating on me a lot. During those times, I didn't know where he was or I thought he was one place and he was not in fact there. And so still that lives with me, even though I have not been married to that person for a decade. But still, it's one of those triggers that sort of 
you know, is having a hard time dying. And so I knew immediately, like, okay, I'm, I'm totally being triggered here. It has nothing, you know, my husband didn't do anything wrong. So it was all my shit. And so what also happened is that I needed to let myself be in that space. So what ends up happening is like, I feel the wave of fear of just like that panic of, oh my God, you know, like what if this happens? So it, what's really helpful for me is to talk it out. So in this case, I talked it out with my best friend. I just left her like a lengthy message. And then in this particular case, I did not actually share that with my husband. He might listen to this podcast and 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 kind of get a good chuckle from it. Some in some instances where I have been triggered by my own stuff in my marriage, I do tell him, not not in a matter of you triggered me, don't do that anymore. In a matter of this is my shit and I just want you to know that oh, I I remember. The reason that I didn't tell him was because I didn't fire any texts back. I just like I didn't respond. And then an hour and a half later, around 11 a.m., he texted me and said he was on his way home. And he came home with tools. And then we went to the carpet store. And that was it. And it turned out to be a pretty good Saturday. But um, the old me, and I, I've actually done this before, where I get triggered and I fire something back. And I get angry and blamey and Basically, I'm mad about something that really doesn't have anything to do with my husband, but just has everything to do with my own stuff. So in those cases, I have come to him and said, uh, well, I've had to clean it up and apologize um, and say, like, I'm sorry, you didn't deserve that. And that was all my stuff. And then but this time I didn't because I didn't fire anything back. Like he was none the wiser, you know, just <laughs> nothing happened to him. It was just a regular Saturday because when by the time he came home, I was I had been through the whole process and was kind of over it at that point. So that's it. So I, I wanted to just share with you what that looks like. And it's not fun. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of myself for how I showed up for myself and how I showed up in my marriage but it doesn't make it any more fun. I mean, I think a lot of times what ends up happening is that it's easier to blame. It's easier to fire off nasty texts and to get angry later on in the day about something your partner did that's seemingly unimportant. And it just, it, it's fleeting, you know, it makes us feel a little bit better, but at the end of the day, it never does. So that's it. And I hope you got some nuggets out of there and I hope you can kind of maybe look at your own life and see where you might be doing that to either your friends or your coworkers or your partner and where you might need to clean some stuff up and where you can just start to get curious about when you get emotionally hooked by something instead of just immediately firing off or hiding out or whatever, or, you know, going to the pantry and, and binging or, or whatever it is that you might do. All right, ass kickers. Thank you so much for staying with me throughout this episode. And I will be back next week for an interview. And until then I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. 